0: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Hands Athletics Radio. Going to record this one as well for uh, the Facebook and the YouTube. So today we are going to talk about as we transition into the summer uh, training, summer uh, opportunities for athletes. We're going to talk about um, conditioning tests, um, training protocols, how to how to kind of uh, approach one for your team, and kind of cover where you might be going wrong. So um, first off, we want to talk about the said principle. For the coaches out there listening, the parents out there listening that are in charge of this. Um, and that principle, the said principle, if you don't know what it stands for, it's a specific adaptation to impose demand. So, what that means is as you're assessing, creating a conditioning test, um, creating a protocol for your athletes um, during the summer, it's important to look at the demands that are going to be placed upon them uh, in the sport they're playing. So this is going to do a couple of things. It's going to potentially change the way you approach how you train them, but also uh, there may be different tests or different needs for the players based on position. Okay. So if you're doing a sport, um, track and field is not as common, but if you are, let's say, conditioning test for a football team, Um, even a a soccer team based on uh, a midfielder's responsibilities and demands and durations versus a a defensive man or a forward. So there's a lot of thought that needs to go into uh, the testing. Um, And commonly what we see is it seems that people are just choosing things out that they've heard of or that they did back in the day, um, even though it doesn't necessarily make the most sense. So what I challenge you guys to do is if you're a strength and conditioning coach, or if you're a sport coach that has this as your duty, um, you're going to look at the sport that you're making this for, and you're going to reverse engineer, uh, your training and testing based on the actual needs of the athletes. Okay. Not, um, something you've done before is not something you found on the internet or something that sounds hard. Uh, make sure that there's a logical route that you got to that you follow to get to the program or the, the tests that you've put together. Okay. Um, and then keep, bear in mind that you have your pre season conditioning, and then there needs to be a very aware and abrupt, uh, change in volume and intensity as you get into the season. So what you're doing in the summer and the off season right now, uh, isn't necessarily well, for sure is not what you should be doing in season because your athletes are already uh, running and getting a ton of volume actually competing in the sport. Now, where this gets tricky um, before we dive too much into it is nowadays there's a lot of athletes playing multiple sports. Um, Not only that, but they might be playing a sport year round because they have club and then they have high school season and then they go back to club. Um, We have multiple athletes in that situation. Uh, for one sport. And then also they also play other sports on top of that. So it's a lot to ask, but these coaches, the coaches, the high, the you high school coaches, uh, you strength, and conditioning coaches, you have to take into account. What is the athlete doing when they're not with me? Okay. Uh, what are they already doing? What other sports are they playing? playing? Uh, what kind of conditioning, what kind of running, what kind of movement is that requiring of them? And what are you just adding to that heap with a conditioning test that doesn't make sense? That's going to potentially uh lower performance and also result in overuse injuries. Okay. So you have to be aware, it's not easy. That's why we're saying this this takes a professional in most cases, and it's not really fair to throw this on a high school sport coach in terms of there needs to be an a, a, literally a conversation. Um, and an understanding of where, what each athlete is doing beyond what you have for them so that you can, uh, rightfully make the decisions on what their training should look like and what their protocol should look like and what their testing should look like. Okay. Um, a quick, a quick one to, to dive into, for example, um, and we see this a, a lot, we've seen this with a lot of different teams. Um, they're doing a uh, mild tests and two mile tests. So. The problem with the two-mile test, in my opinion, is it's not really replicable of what they're going to do in in the sport of soccer, for example. Um, There's going to be starts and stops, jogs and sprints, and uh, recovery periods between each one of those runs. It's not going to be a consistent, uh, same pace two-mile jog. Okay, so that, first off, Uh, doesn't fall into the line of the said principle that we were talking about. Um, This isn't going to be ultimately applicable to what kind of condition these athletes need to be in. And just because they can run a two mile run, uh, odds are they're not going to be in shape to play soccer. Um, While there is something to be said about training for something and uh, testing on it, right. Right. Uh, we just believe that there's a lot, uh, a, a lot more benefit to, uh, training in a way that is going to be applicable to what they do on the field and a similar demand and jogging two miles, uh, running two miles doesn't really fall into that category. And a, a good, uh, proof point behind that is, uh, for example, we have some athletes that are on a club team that, just won the club state championship. So that's where they play against all the best clubs, not high schools, clubs uh, around the state. And then there is a clear winner on that. And also they just played in a tournament in Las Vegas against people around the whole uh, entire United States. And they took second in that. So odds are they're they've been playing the entire year. And they're probably in pretty good shape for soccer if they're winning uh, tournaments of this caliber, right? And right now, uh, with the summer demands of what the high school coaches are asking them to do, they're actually not able, or they have to train specifically for this test, this two-mile test, because odds are they may not hit it in, They probably will, but they're nervous that they're not going to hit that two-mile test um, in the time that's allotted. So uh, logically, it doesn't make sense that you're taking players that have been playing all year round, uh, are winning, are in obviously great shape for the sport they're playing, and making them change their training to pass a test for their sport, that they can't pass unless they train specifically for, they're not two mile runners. Okay. They're not a track and field athlete. That's running uh, a two miler and that's their ultimate uh, performance, right? So their performance is on the soccer field. So if you're athletes that have been playing all year round, they're obviously in shape for soccer, have to change their training or add extra in to pass a test. That test is not applicable to what you're doing at all and really just adds to the mileage they're getting because they're still practicing, they're playing club, and they're getting ready for high school. So point made there in terms of uh, let's make sure that the testing that we put in front of them is applicable to their sport because uh, if you can't logically reverse it back to what they do on the field, uh, then it doesn't make sense. Now some will say, well, they jog around on the field, go watch a soccer game. Okay. It's not a continual pace jog. That's all I'm going to say, go watch a soccer game, pay attention, pay attention to the movement that they're doing, pay attention to the spans of time that they're working and resting. And it becomes very apparent that it's not applicable to do a two mile or even a, really a one mile test uh, run. Okay. Um, it's just an easy thing to put out there. Um, number two, You need to look at the level of your athletes. So there's going to be a wide array in high school sports of athletes. You're going to have people, like I said, they've been playing all year round on a club and you're going to have people that are just showing up to play. They even might even just play that one sport. They haven't done anything all year. And now they're just showing up to start the soccer season and the summer training. Okay. So as much as we hate to split athletes up in society today, that needs to happen because you have athletes that are highly conditioned and highly trained and you have athletes that are not. So pairing them together is going to be a disservice for both groups. Um, You're going to disservice the ones that haven't been because they're probably going to be overtrained. Uh, They're not going to be able to keep up. They're going to feel uh, unmotivated at that point and uh, likely run into some injuries because they're deconditioned. Uh, And your athletes that are conditioned are going to be held back because uh, the group is not able to complete the things that potentially they could if they had a more advanced or or separate grouping. Okay. And number three is going to be that doing more. So running more, running them, uh, doing miles, putting miles in testing for that. Uh, Odds are that 90, let's say 80% of the athletes you have, have fairly poor running mechanics. So getting them, spending the time rather, instead of doing uh, a, two, a mile run or running and conditioning them, taking the time to work on running mechanics, teaching them how to run, uh, slowly progressing them up, that's going to be more beneficial than getting them in shape. Okay. So teaching them these skills, speed and running as a skill is much more important than getting them in shape because all you're going to do is take these athletes with poor movement and add volume on top of that. And, um, most, most coaches understand that by taking someone with poor movement, uh, and not great movement patterns and adding more, 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 more leads to injury. Okay. You're going to get overuse injuries. You're going to have uh, injuries that can end seasons. Uh, you're going to get shin splints. You're going to get all kinds of different nagging injuries Uh, knee pain, hip pain, back pain, because you're loading a poor movement over and over and over again, rather than, uh, teaching and learning how to, to do these movements in a, in a better way. And as, as crazy as it sounds, most people are very, very, very poor runners, very poor. Um, and then get away with it for a while. But when you're adding all that volume, uh, at some point it's going to break. Even if it's not while they're under your care, down the road, get to college, whatever. Uh, We don't want to end up with broken people. So poor movement, more volume is not the answer. The answer is improving movement. Like I would rather see a team go into season uh, understanding how to run well and have had a lot of coaching on on that side of the realm. And they're a little bit out of shape than a team that's really in shape. And it's just set to burn out by the middle of the season with a bunch of injuries. Um, and then, lastly, let's talk about a couple concepts. Uh, first, being the idea of, of peaking your team and the timing of, of what you're doing. Um, again, take into account, you need to be aware that some of these people have been playing all year long. So, testing them uh, the same as what you're testing your new people doesn't make sense as well. But let's talk about peaking, timing. Um, oftentimes I see people or coaches talking about that. They want their team in shape for the sport. So sport shape, uh, by game one. So I've been, I played sports for a very, very long time. I've coached a lot of athletes and what I'll tell you is no matter what, how much running you do, uh, no matter what kind of training we do in here there's always going to be a different stimulus when they get on the field. Okay. So having that open loop, having the, uh, adrenaline, having the, uh, competition, it's all going to be, it's all, it's going to hold different experience. So you can't simulate that really in the gym. So, or really even in practice, it's going to be, it's going to be to a degree. You can, like, if you have athletes that will get after it and play as hard as they do against each other, that they do other teams. Then potentially you can argue that point, but once you get out on the field, it's going to uh, be different. And heart rates are going to be elevated. Uh, again, adrenaline is going to play a factor, and they're never really going to be in sport shape, no matter how good of shape shape they are that first game. And they don't need to be. That's not the that's not the point. Um, the point is that they peak out over the season to where when it really matters, they're in the the best shape they they can possibly be in. Uh, they're they've been playing the sport, so they're in good shape to participate in the sport, and they haven't overtrained and have overuse injuries. So you have a healthy team. So if you can come into the end of the season with a healthy team, and that's going to be more important than having the best conditioned team, um, because that conditioning is naturally going to happen over the season as you play. And then that's going to allow you to spend more time in practice on your skill and technique and game plan and the actual sport, because you're expecting them as they play in in real time and full time speed, they are going to get in better shape. Okay. And again, think back, a lot of these athletes have been doing this all year round. They've been playing. So uh, those guys are already in great shape for soccer. And we're just using soccer for an example. So it's taking steps backward to train them for something that doesn't actually make sense with the sport, uh, first off, and you're just adding a bunch of volume that they don't, they don't need because they're already in shape to play the sport. So again, think about it as you, your team does not, will not, no matter what you do be in the shape that you want them to be on the first game in the first game. That's not going to happen. They're going to get in shape to play the sport by playing the sport at pr- you're practicing. They are playing games and then they peak towards the end. You've dropped the volume and intensity of your training throughout. As the season has ramped up, you're dropping your volume and intensity of conditioning in practice. You're not conditioning them to punish them. Uh, you're not having them show up without their cleats just to run. Uh, That's pointless. Okay. And it's really detrimental uh, to the athletes. And also it's kind of not giving them the opportunity to learn the things that they need to learn in terms of the sport itself. So all those things need to be taken into account when, when putting together a testing protocol or adding conditioning in during the season, because these things matter and they're often overlooked and, Uh there's just a lack of knowing what to do. Um, but what I would say to you, if you were listening to this and you're a coach, um, a high school coach, transition coach, and you're in charge of somebody during the season, uh, at that point, when they're full ramped up in their sport, uh, you know, they're they're in the middle of the season, you really they're gonna be getting in shape by playing. So less is more, uh, picking the stuff that's gonna make the biggest difference. Is important. Your practices should be likely a majority of working on the skill of soccer, uh, the skill of the sport, um, game time situations, stuff like that. Conditioning is adding conditioning at that point is just detrimental and just uh, ticking that clock of of the mileage and the the more risk towards injury. Okay. So be be smart about that. Um, If you want to run summer conditioning to get them in shape, again, you're never going to get them in game-ready shape by by the first day or by the game. Um, They're going to get in game-ready shape by playing games. Uh, Spend that time in the summer working on the skills, uh, building the team together, reinforcing them, Uh, positivity, getting them to build a community together. And then if you want to do uh, testing, so that's fine, but make sure that testing makes sense for the sport they're playing. So uh, for example, building up over time for for like a soccer team, building up over time, if you want to do a general one towards interval runs, so shorter runs, uh, the duration could be anywhere between for your training, even, even if you will work on both ends of the spectrum, but you know, 30, 20 to 30 yard sprints all the way up to potentially, you know, hundred yard sprints over time, you you give them a longer rest ratio. So you you started out, let's say with, we're going to run a five 50 meter sprints, 50 yard sprints. And we are going to rest a four to one ratio. So whatever time it takes them to run that first run or whatever time cap you give them, you're going to let them rest four times out. Okay. And then throughout the summer, you're going to build that. You're going to take the the rest down. And as the rest goes down, you know that their conditioning and ability to recover is getting better, which is going to be important in soccer. So the ability to to sprint, make a play, steal the ball, drive the ball, pass it shoot, whatever, the faster that they can get their heart rate back down and recovered between those attempts, the more conditioned they are and the ability they have to uh, make repeatable great efforts uh, on the field. So at least testing in a protocol, testing in that way is going to provide you with better results. Uh, athletes that uh, look better on the field, they're going to be more conditioned to actually play the sport of soccer. And it's a good way to test them. So you can just drop the rest times. You can play with different intervals or different distances. So if we're we're doing more of a speed development acceleration, then you're going to be shorter, shorter sprints, 20 to 40, 50 yards. And you're going to give them unlimited rest because we're going to practice running fast. Okay. We're not going to practice what really irks me is when people don't give the rest periods. Okay. So cool. You made them do a 40 yard sprint. Maybe the first one was fast, but now they only rested 20 seconds. They're not going to be able to give you hundred percent effort. And in turn, they're not going to learn how to run or get faster because they're not, they're not giving hundred percent effort because there's all oh, the battery is only so full. So you have to let them re- recharge as much as possible. Um, a good way to, to do that. If you really want to dive into it. And know when enough is enough is uh keep time, keep time of um their sprints and what they're completing them in, and once they fall off a certain range. So have a predetermined range of okay, once so let's say your best sprint was 10 seconds. Once you are unable to complete it in 14 seconds, uh you're done. Okay. So once they've fallen off so much, you know that they're not able to give a full effort. And then you're not really training speed anymore. You're just you're just running them into the ground, okay. Which maybe there's days for that uh, if you if you think that that's what's going to cause mental toughness. Um, it's a little old school and not really what we believe in. But if if that's what you you want mental toughness, um, there might be some days that you could do that, okay. But then your longer your longer done your conditioning day, so the longer runs. 60 to 120 yards whatever you want to choose out uh, those are going to have rest times that that slowly diminish over this over the uh, preseason so you'll have a goal at the end uh, of you're able to complete you know x amount of sprints at uh, y distance and only rest a 1 to 1 ratio or even less than that so they're able to complete those sprints the way you want them to um, with a, a limited rest time that, that makes sense for the sport of soccer. Okay. So that's a way to look at it and an object, like an actual direction on how you can make these protocols or do this. Um, and that would be more beneficial than what we see a lot of. And, uh, I just want to share this information with you guys. So you can, you can make those decisions. What's been cool is, uh, we've had a lot of teams offload. Uh, their strength and conditioning to us for the summer, which is really awesome. I think if you have, you're listening in, in your area, you have a local professional you trust that, that can do that, definitely do that. Hire a professional. Okay. Um, but again, be aware that their job, um, when they show up on of day one of the game, um, don't expect your athletes to be in. Like, it's, it's going to be taxing. It's going to be hard. Uh, they're not going to be in perfect condition to play the sport because they get that conditioning from playing the sport. And you would probably be uh, peaking way too early if they came into the first game and had no problem with it and were in the best shape of their life because by the end of the season, they're going to be run down. And odds are you're going to have some injuries creep up. Uh, performance can be down. They might, they probably would, maybe there's, I've seen it a ton where teams play the best at the beginning of the season. They fall apart at the end. Okay. That's, this this is a factor in that. Okay. There's a lot of other things that can play into that, but this is a factor in that. So it's worth talking about if you're really trying to maximize your team, your, do your job, like really get after your job as a coach. These are, these are some things that you can think about Uh, to kind of push you in the right direction. Okay. So if any of you guys have questions, feel free to send them over, Uh, connect with us on any platform by the name of Hanson Athletics and uh, shoot questions over, share this with your friends, Um, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube. I appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Hopefully again, that gives you some objective feedback on how you can attack this rather than just telling you you're doing it wrong. And uh, thank you for the continued support. Have a good one, guys.